This is the Women Your Mother Warned You About podcast, sponsored by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching Programs at Sales Gravy. Before we get started with this week's episode, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is the place where sales professionals and sales leaders from across the globe go to learn and upscale. And right now, if you're a brand new user and you've never used Sales Gravy University before, you can get your first course for free by using coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's coupon code free course when you go to learn.salesgravy.com. And hey, I've got several courses there that you can check out. So I hope to see you there. But let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. And you will be at Outbound. So yeah, looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. Well, we can't wait to see you in person. And I am going to hug you just a little bit differently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm I'm there. (laughs) That was was a callback to the beginning of this conversation that now that we know Mm -hmm. each other, that maybe, you know, we would hug a little bit differently. That's all I meant. I don't want your wife upset with me. So Uh, she wouldn't be upset with you. Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About with me, Gina Tremarco, and the lovely, proper Susanna Gray Jones. Hello. (laughs) Hello. And the sexy voice in the room, Jeff Bajoric. Thank you. Nice to be here. Who is not a piece of meat? Who is not a piece of meat? Oh my, it's so good to be back. (laughs) Can I just say, after listening to the last podcast and doing my homework, that, um, you know, I I would not, as I say, be treating you like a a piece of meat in this episode. And I've got a lot of questions. Um, Did did Rachel and I treat him like a piece of meat the last time Jeff was with us? It was a tiny bit cringe, you know, tiny bit cringe. But, you know, we're, we're, the thing is, and there's something to say here, I must say, you, we, and I'm not saying this at Eugenia at all, but if a woman came onto a podcast with two men and oh, was um, judged on how cute they were, what would uh, the world be saying then? And, you know, we've got a whole, a whole topic of conversation there, but I, I know that's Ooh, not what we're. Wow. Wow. She put me on blast. Okay. <laughs> Well, I've got to make an impact well, on the new blonde in town. So, yeah, <laughs> you are you are the new blonde in town. I am I am taking you out on tour. Uh, this is your first go around as we start bringing back outbound guests to the show, which, by the way, is sponsored by Sales Gravy. Let's not forget our sponsor, uh, Jeff. We're so excited to have you back. Not just because you have the most amazing voice. Because you really do. You know that. Thank you. Um, I, I've been told that a lot of times. So thank you. And I, I think most people have a hard time listening to themselves. Yeah. Um, I have gotten used to it, but 
I really appreciate the compliment. I don't want to dodge that. Thank you for saying You're, that. That means a lot. It's a it's a tool that I use yeah. professionally, so I'm 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 glad it's uh, easier on the ears than some. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, you know, many years ago, I did this. I said I don't want to go down a long rabbit hole, but uh, this is important. I think when it comes to voice. I mm -hmm. was um, doing an event, you know, I was doing one of those live events. I was producing it. I was selling from the stage, you know, went back when that was like all the, all the thing, hot thing to do. And, um, and I had one of those coaches that was considered like a guru coach, do as I say, you know, I'm, I know it all and do as I say and do it the way I say it. And, and, and she could do that and she could get away with that. And she really had a way about I hate to say it. It's just like making women feel bad about themselves to convince them that they needed to buy that coaching program, right? And it's an old trope, sad. really. It 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 is. And um and so I was taught how to do it that way, right? So I did my own 3-day event and there's a structure and a framework to it and then you you know, you ask for the sale and you ask for the sale again and again and again and there's a whole style to it and I didn't close a single deal. And I'm really good at selling, right? I think. Mm -hmm. and, oh, I can confirm. Thank you. And um, this woman comes up to me at the end um, and says, and, and I, she was like a, like a, she was an influencer who was helping me like fill the room. And she came up to me and she said, I'm going to tell you um, why you're failing right now. I was like, okay. So, <laughs> All right. She's like, do, do people just randomly come yeah. up and humble yeah, exactly. you? Is that, yeah. She's like, um, you're not close. You're not closing any deals. Are you? I'm like, no. Right. Cause you, you see when people run to the back of you the room tell. and sign up and et cetera, et cetera. And, and she said, you are so out of alignment with how you're doing this. This framework mm. does not fit who you are. And that's why people are not buying it because this framework is for a guru. And, um, and she went on to, she had put together this and she did sell me on this and I bought it and I got certified in it. It wasn't that expensive, but she, she did this kind of, kind of like, um, I can't remember who does this, but along the whole like personality styles, um, gosh, now the other woman's name is skipping my brain, but it, it was basically a, a marketing alignment grid. And in this marketing alignment grid, you figure out where you fall into that grid and that's the style you should be selling in. And the style that I should be selling in was more of a trusted advisor, truth guide, truth guide. That was it. And I take okay. you on a journey um, and I show you the path, but I'm not saying do it, do it the way I do it because the way I do it mm -hmm. is not necessarily going to work for you. Right. So I take you yeah. on a journey. Right. And so in that, it, she had all these different things that showed you what would work best for your style when it came to selling. And in my style, for a, tr for a truth guide, it, it's, it's about voice. It's about sound of voice. People want to hear you talk. Um, and then she gives you all these different things that you should be doing from a marketing standpoint. And one of the things on there was podcasting. This is how I got started podcasting was all because of that marketing alignment grid and how my persona wow. fell into that and that it was about the voice that people like the voice and they want to hear you talk. And I did my first podcast, The Pivotal Leader, which then ultimately led to the women your mother warned you about. Yada, 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 yada. And it's a long story, but I felt the need to share it with you just now because yeah. of voice. 
And yeah. you, that sounds like my podcasting journey. Um, someone said, hey, you should do a podcast. And I said, oh, okay. That's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. People want to yeah. hear you because people want to hear you talk and that's, that's the magnet for them. So let's talk about, let's talk about you. Oh, Susanna's like, yeah. Well, Susanna was going to say something and I feel like I stepped on and her toes. Stepped, and then you stepped she's on her used toes to and, me stepping on her toes, but <laughs> Susanna, go ahead and set up our guests for success. Well, no, I was just, first of all, I was thinking we kind of have a Michael Buble for sales here, don't we? It's a kind of... Uh, oh, man. Um, I've been called a lot of things. Wow. <laughs> I actually thought that before we came onto the podcast really? today. But um, one thing that you just, I think you just hit the nail on the head and I've never thought about it as much as this, that the tone of someone's voice and how much training... Uh, everyone should have on how they use their voice and sales calls and relax and, and things like that. I personally have only come across one sales trainer in my time who actually trains on the voice. What Have you guys come across this? Is it something that's happening? I, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, my uncle was a school teacher mm -hmm. and he talked about getting voice lessons so that he could appropriately use his voice and, and um, efficiently use his voice when projecting to a classroom. And that was the first time I ever thought about it. Mm. I've never done any on my own. Um, and I mean, really the last couple of years, if anything, I just shout at a webcam and you know, people respond, but I've got a powerful voice. I can project really well. I don't often need a microphone in a workshop setting. Yeah, um, and sometimes I... You know, sometimes I, you know, when there are tech issues or whatever, I just, you know, just, I'm just going to go without it, guys. Are we okay? Yeah. And, and we do that, but um, I've never actually pursued it, but that's an interesting, that's an interesting so, point. Uh, yeah. I know quite a lot about the voice because I'm operatically trained and there's, mm. there's a lot of um, science behind it, including different cultures and the way that they speak and the way that they use their voice. And Gina, you'll be interested in this. Um, it was something my singing teacher was saying to me the other day, because I'm quite tense when I speak. Whereas she said that Italians apparently have naturally, and it's proven, have a very loose jaw um, way of talking that okay. opens the larynx um, and the throat, which is why you have a lot of Italian good singers and speakers. So if you can figure that one out and what makes um, the Italians good vocal um, users, then you could maybe add it to your training. Just a, mm. just a suggestion. So many interesting things about that. So many interesting. Yeah. Loose lips sink ships. That's the only thing that just came to mind. Right. Don't don't say too much when you're Italian. Right. You could end up buried with the fishes. Indeed. That. Indeed. Concrete shoes. Yeah. yeah. But they're they're definitely back when I was in that crazy coaching world, like there's a coach for everything. There 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 definitely are coaches that will um do the whole how to speak kind of coaching yeah. um in business. Mm -hmm. And I, I just recall some of them you know, especially for women, sometimes as women, um, our tone of voice, um, when we like, you know, okay, whatever you, you think. And like, we, we go up in our voice and that actually can uh, change the, up to someone's impression of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't come off as confident. It comes more off like, okay, well, what do you, well, whatever you think, right. It's like all yes. of that kind of changing that. How much does that matter? I I feel like there are so many areas of study where you can go a mile deep 
and it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Like, and it's really easy to get hung up in the details. And and I don't think we've talked about this, but you mentioned this a little earlier, kind of tangentially, Gina, with you know, personality profiles and marketing indexes and or indices and things. You know, it's and and maybe this is just my gift and I kind of get a lot of stuff, like I just to kind of understand some things intuitively. And and so I just haven't had the need to pay attention to it, but I don't feel the need to dive way into personality profiles. I don't feel the need to dive into the inflection of my voice. And should I really tweak this? I mean, isn't, aren't there bigger rocks to move? Aren't there? And, and, and the reason I ask that is because I think there are a lot of salespeople who probably aren't focusing on the right thing. Mm-hmm. But this is a shiny object that seems like it could make a big impact and it's really not what well, I'm supposed to be doing, yeah. but it's a nice distraction. I could get very, I could really go on a tangent about shiny object. And um, I just recently wrote something about this where we, people become overcoached and they use the, they use the overcoaching mm-hmm. and the overlearning to lead to the overwhelm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think you're bang on with that, that there are bigger things to focus on. I think these little nuances are things that you can work on, but don't, don't have to be a high priority. I do think that they matter subconsciously, right? When we talk about yeah. emotional contagion and, and people feeling, right? They can feel if you're right to work with and there's, there's that underlying but I do mm-hmm. think there are the there is the bigger picture. Um, yeah. What's the bigger picture for you, Jeff? The bigger picture for me. Okay, give me a little context yeah, like for what's, that. The bigger what's picture more, for what? Like what's more important than this shiny the shiny object? Like that's what you're saying. Like we should salespeople should focus on bigger things. Oh right. Um, salespeople should focus on things like prospecting. They should focus on things like discovery. They should focus on things like knowing where they are in their sales process. They should focus on things like understanding that um, you could probably spend half the time with your current customers that you currently do yeah. and keep all of the business. Yes. And that's where your time yeah. to go prospect yeah. is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, but, but it's like, I'm not getting the results that I'm looking for right now. I'm only 80% to quota quarter after quarter after quarter or quarter after quarter after quarter. I wonder if it's my tone of voice. <laughs> no, it's your funnel. Like, come on. Like, really? So uh, if you want to yeah. like really yeah. polish yeah. something, like, please, because that, that's fun. It's rewarding. It's valuable after you're getting the bulk of your work done. Yeah. But yeah. not everyone, right, is looking for a distraction. I'm sure you've worked with people as well who have monotone voices and they might be yes. doing the prospecting. They might be doing all the right things, but... Mm-hmm. Everyone's falling asleep when they're speaking. I do agree. I do agree. Sometimes it is the, and, and you know what? And I love that you said that because I think my mind frame, as we started to talk about that, was in this virtual room here mm-hmm. where none of us have that issue. Right. So to me, it's like, okay, maybe that was just an error in my own judgment and my context there, which happens actually quite no, frequently. No, yeah. <laughs> Um. <laughs> well, you know, you know, there's um, here's here's a great example. This just happened to me in the past hour when I was teaching mastering sales objections. Right, it was like the final module of the boot camp, and mm-hmm. I was talking about red herrings and micro commitments. But what I was working with them on was setting up a call agenda. Right when you walk mm-hmm. into that call and how to set up the agenda, structure it. Um, tell them this is the time, here's the objective, 
us if they want to add anything to it? And then how do we avoid getting diverted, right? So I actually went into an example. I said, okay, so if I were setting up this call, I'd say, hey, Bobby, great. It's so great to get together with you today. Thank you so much for your time. We've got about 30 minutes. Does that still work for you? Right? Like that's step one. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and he's Irish and he's in Ireland. He's like, it just seems so, so dogmatic and it just, it sounds so, he hated the sound of my voice. Mm. And he felt like I was so professional and I, and I, and we're, and we're teaching that, right? Like, how do you come into this meeting, professional, polished and structured? And I had to actually rein him in and go, all right, Bobby, you take a lot of my classes. You're thinking this isn't Gina. He's like, it just doesn't fit you how you just presented that. Right. So that was kind of an interesting. I said, you're right. I said, I might not present it that way if I actually knew you. I might be like, hey, Jeff. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. that I love your voice. Oh, my God. Like, right. I might play that with you because I know you and I'm going to be Gina. But if I don't know you, I am going to be pretty structured, pretty professional, pretty like not monotone. But I'm not going to be the Gina that a lot of you know. Why not? Because I'm feeling you out. I am reading your personality. So, sure. so there was another, and I, and I gave them this example today. I was on a prospecting call on Monday. And, um, and that guy was British, Susanna Gray Jones. And there was something about him that was so proper that I'm like, I better bring out proper Gina. Yeah. <laughs> That's What's emotional intelligence, Gina? though. <laughs> reading reading the room, right? It's it's important to read the room. And Gina, we've known each other for a bit. So we're gonna talk to each other. And when we see each other in Atlanta in September, and you should buy your tickets now, then outboundconference.com. We're going to um we're going to act differently than if I'd never met you. Like, quite frankly, the way we greet each other this time will probably be different than the way we greeted each other last year because there's more familiarity exactly. there and we've had those shared experiences. Right. So it's not that you would you know, eliminate any structure or formality from it, but I think you still shouldn't, whether you know someone or not, you should still approach someone in a way that feels familiar to you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't want to become a different person because then you're, you're really setting them up. It's a, it's a bait and switch yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, but going back to the whole voice thing. Right. And so what's interesting with this example is that, so that was Monday, which was a discovery call. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was two stakeholders on that call Tuesday because they wanted to move fast and I'm out of town next week. So I had to like, mm -hmm. I'm like hustling this week. Um, Tuesday was a presentation call of what we could do for them and mm -hmm. asking for the business, right? On that call, they share with me, there's a third stakeholder, right? And that third stakeholder um, is not necessarily a decision maker, but is, right? It's someone that they think very highly of, that they wanted his buy-in. He's been there a while and he's kind of a leader for the rest of the team and they, they wanted his buy-in, right? And they're like, we just want to make sure he's cool with it. Could we get on another? Could we get him on a call with you? And I said, absolutely. 
So third call today, three of them, the English guy sets it up of like why we're here. It's how, did you look at what Gina sent? He's like, yeah, it looks, it's really comprehensive. I really like it. And we start talking a little bit. We start talking about his style and how he likes, you know, fluidity and discovery, which is what I'm all about. And and um, I, I drop the improv information on him of like, you know, do you have this improv background? And I think that's why my discovery is a little bit different than a lot of people. And he starts mm-hmm. smiling. And he's like, I perform. I said, you do? <laughs> what do you? Code word. I'm like, what do you? And he's like, I've been known to riff on my guitar. I haven't done it in a while, but I like to get on stage with my guitar. And he's like this older gentleman, very distinguished looking. But the second I said the word improv, and then the guy that I originally is the decision maker, he's like, well, you know, what do you think? And he's like, yeah, I, I think this is great content. And I think Gina would be a lot of fun. Right? So I didn't have to get big and crazy. I just did a little bit for him to pick up on it. I yeah. love that. And if you guys, are you guys familiar with Jahari's window? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's one of my favorite things that has always been to teach because when someone first taught it to me, I was like, Jahara's window, what is this? I just ignored it. But now I always use it. Yeah. And what you were doing there, I guess, was that barrier that so many people have and they struggle to build relationships. Even if you think of friends or family who just have that barrier up, they don't want to disclose them to their true selves. They always keep that sort of box very small. What you were doing there, were you were exposing some of who Gina is. And suddenly the relationship just took off. Now, teaching salespeople that this is, in my view, quite difficult because you did it when it naturally happened. I've actually fallen in the trap as a salesperson from oversharing too soon um, because I really wanted to build the relationship and I've scared them off. I've been like, hey, here was a picture of us at the ball last (laughs) night, which was work. And then no reply, never reply again. Or like... Adding them to Facebook, you know, and thinking, I've got to go there and build this relationship. So teaching and training is something that I'm really interested about teaching people to actually naturally build that relationship because it's something you can't always do. You're not always the right fit mm-hmm. for that person. Um, sure. But in, I love your example, by the way, because that 100% sounds like it's going to get you the closed deal. But Oh, the deal um, is closed. I closed woo-hoo! the deal. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when Jeff comes on these podcasts, because I heard the last one, everyone can't <laughs> wait to get a get a question in. Um, but I have got a question based on based on what Jeff said, because we were talking about voices and we were mm-hmm. talking about and the first thing you said, Jeff, was people need to work out how they can prospect and just do the prospecting, right? Now I do discovery mm-hmm. calls every other day and I am constantly talking to sales managers who have the same problem. They won't pick up the phone and prospect or they'll just stick to email. Now I know what I think, but why do you think this is, I think, an increasing problem among salespeople? Because they don't have the right expectations. Mm-hmm around cold calling okay. Um, because email's easy because the voice inside of your head that says, I could be interrupting them. Let me send them communication in a way, in a means that will uh, allow them a little more convenience with my interruption. Um, Of course, it's also a lot easier to just completely ignore. Um, But I think people get the wrong idea with cold calling. 
and and I think the and I'll go back to the context around um, poor expectations. Most people don't answer their phones. That's really hard to argue with. And so that's the first objection that anybody who doesn't cold call, you know, comes up with. Like, who's going to answer the phone? Like, I'm not expecting them to. But the phone is still a weapon. The phone is another touch point. It's another part of the cadence. It's another. It's an opportunity for them to hear my voice. Oh, they don't listen to voicemail. It's, it goes voice to text. Okay, so it's another inbox. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why will we leave this tool on the sidelines? Yep. And oh, by the way, if they do listen to my voicemail, it's an opportunity to get them to know a different side of me. They can hear my voice. They can hear my tone. Um, they can hear my presence um, in, in a way. Um, I get an opportunity to make them laugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because voicemails you know, can be just really powerful that way. I don't know why anybody would leave a tool unused. But they do. And my, that kind of comes to my next question, because okay. when I, um, I, went to, I went to Jeb Blount's house, just want to put it in there again. When I was at Jeb Blount's house um, a few weeks ago, um, we were, I, we heard, were, I heard the two of us talking about that on our last episode. <laughs> I was on my way to Jeb's house and there in you were. In case you missed it. In case you missed it. Um, but one of, one of the things we were talking about was... Um, recruiting salespeople, which I always try and sneakily mm. get into these podcasts. And <laughs> one of the, I am so passionate about it. And I want to know what you think, because Jeb mm. has created this awesome assessment that can, it's tested, it it works, it's, it can define whether you can sell, or whether you can't sell. Okay. Really mm. awesome assessment, tried and tested. It's worked over many years researched. I'm I'm afraid to try it. I might find out that I'm not very good at what I do. <laughs> well, well, having recruited many a salesperson and defined them in my eyes as a salesperson and that a person can sell, do you think that we are biologically salespeople or do you think you can train mm. someone who is not a salesperson, never will be a salesperson until they get trained? That's such a good sounds question. Sounds like a would you rather question. I t- I think about this stuff. I'm a massive sales geek. Jeff, I want to answer. Ooh, I got I got thoughts, but go, Jeff. We must be quiet. I think um, whether or not we're biologically determined is different than reality of the, or the reality of how people approach it. Like when I got into selling, I got in reluctantly. Like I was like, well. Okay, I guess. Like, I wasn't trying to. It was someone made a compelling argument. I didn't really have a, a it seemed like a good idea at the time kind of thing. Um, but I also tell you this, you know, and I say this a lot, and she actually doesn't mind it when I say this, but my mom has a hard time reconciling the fact that one of her favorite people in the world is also in sales. And so there's so much perception around what a salesperson is and what a salesperson isn't that I think the number of people who say that they're not a salesperson is different than the number of people who biologically can't be salespeople. I think more of the issue is the perception rather than the biology of it. Now, I will tell you this, and there are some people who may not be great salespeople. They may not be able to be versatile. You know, you hear that salespeople need to be chameleons. You need to adapt to different situations and things like that. There are a lot of people who just don't have those skills. Mm -hmm. But there's someone out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. And in the, 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 the day and age that we live in right now, if you are intelligent enough and driven enough to find your tribe where, wherever they are, 
there are people out there for you who will welcome you open arms into their community. They will buy things from you. They will sell things to you. They will participate with you. There are all kinds of these little micro economies all over the place. So it depends on how you define sales. Mm -hmm. And I think a sale, you asked me to come on this podcast. You made a sales call. I agreed. You made a sale. I'm now your customer. That's how it works, how, how we treat everybody in our everyday lives. Most sales don't have anything to do with money. I just called my and, fiance, asked him to run an errand for me so I can go to a trade show and I need logoed attire that I can't pick up. And he said yes. And that was a sales call. Yeah. Well, you mm-hmm. influenced him or persuaded him, which, by the way, I think are two different things, but that's another, yeah. um, another thing. But I I always find it fascinating how some people, not just in sales, but in general life, they don't want to speak to someone that they don't know. Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, I think that's a lot of it, growing up around people that you don't know or changing schools a lot or or whatever you did at school to get you out of that obstacle immunity of not speaking to people that you just have no idea. And I think that's a lot of it, the comfort zone. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can, I personally don't think you can be a born salesperson or not a born salesperson. I think it's about, it's about what you've learned growing up, in my opinion. And, and whether or not you can unlearn it. Yeah. I'm not the most outgoing person in the world. I make up for that by being very curious Mm -hmm. and I've forced myself at first, gotten a little more used to it. And now I just discipline myself that, you know, sometimes I'm interested enough to talk to someone that I may not know. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's just a little challenge to, okay, we're in this elevator together. Can I come up with something clever that can make this person smile? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's just those little things that it's training really in, in, in practice, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, but, and, and some of it might just be voodoo, right? Like, did I come up with a definition of selling that just was something that I could feel comfortable with? Did I just call it something I'm more comfortable with it? So now, or that I'm more comfortable with? So now it I can makes go, sense go do to it. you. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but whatever it takes, I can tell you that, you know, coming from a place where, and I had, a, I recently had a conversation with a very good friend of mine who was really my first sales mentor. And he said, Jeff, I remember exactly where we were. We were in the car together making calls and you were like, yeah, I don't want to call myself a salesperson. Like that's, uh, uh. and here he's, he's like, here I am thinking, dude, we're doing it right now. Like if this isn't it, what, what are you going to call yourself? Right. And, um, here I am, uh, 17 years later, almost 18 years later, I can't imagine doing anything else. So you are a salesperson now you would describe oh, 100%. yourself and that, 100%. you know, if you, if you go to James Clear and look through atomic habits, your beliefs mm-hmm. of who you are, define your habits and what you do. Um, well, I so- think the, the stating it, right? I think the stating it and being proud of it and comfortable with it, I think that plays a big part in whether or not you're going to be successful with it, right? And, and it's breaking through those barriers of uh, misperception or what other people think when they think salesperson. The more you own it, the pr- pr- you're proud of it. Yeah. One hundred percent. The better you're going to be at it. I will say that I do have some opinion on this biology versus learning thing Mm -hmm. based on all the research I've done on creativity because of my creative selling course. And Mm -hmm. 
obviously you're not a born salesperson, you know, as a baby, but maybe you are because studies show that we are creative geniuses up until at least five, 98% of us are considered creative genius. This is based on a study that was done um, for NASA in particular. And they showed between age five and 15 that that creativity went from 98% to 12%. Wow. Mm. So that, so we actually, we, we lose it. We, we actually unlearn it. I was going to say, that's not great commentary on the school system. Yeah. And there's, there's a couple, there's several factors into it. Um, Industrial revolution played a part in that, in that, you know, training people to work. Um, We see that in the school system that we have very structured, structured situations that take away from creativity. Uh, And then we have influences telling us, you know, stop being so playful. Uh, So we actually unlearn creativity. And they gave that same test. That they gave to, they, they followed this group of five-year-olds. from. They did it at five, 10, and 15, tested them, and they saw it went from 98% to, to 12%. Gave that same test to 200,000 adults. They came in at 2% um, creativity-wise. So we actually have it. We're actually born with it. So if we're born with some level of creativity, I think we must be born with some level of the ability to relate to people to and to communicate our needs. Because if you look at babies and animals who cannot speak, they're still able to communicate their needs. So from a biology standpoint, I think there is some of it, and then you add the skill to it. I mean, with practice and training, I only get better as a salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what I think about that, but those stats are scary, right? I know when I when I found this study, I was like blown away. I was blown mm-hmm. away by it. Like it's crazy. That's what's really interesting is that, and what that suggests is that an adult who many other people would consider to be creative really isn't that creative. They're mm-hmm. just more creative than the rest of us, right? Which to me creates the opportunity for someone to just be a little bit more creative, stimulate that creativity, find an outlet for it, enhance that uh, skill set, use your brain a little bit differently, yeah. pay attention to stuff, y- yeah. you know? Um, and, and all of a sudden you become a lot more creative and that is a huge leg up. Huge. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. That's a good way of looking at it. Huge. Whether you, the, the bar is not that high. You can step over the bar for crying out loud. Yeah, we could we could go on and on. But I want to know. I want to know. I want to know, know what you. I want to know what you've been up to for the past year because just oh, Susanna, so you know a little bit of the um, you, and you may have heard it in the other podcast. Like Jeff and I kind of came up together a little bit in podcasting mm-hmm. because. We both were under Jeffrey Gittimer's umbrella for a while, the Sell or Die Network, and that's how we know each other. We sh- oh, we, met. we shared mm-hmm. a producer, and then that producer mm-hmm. abandoned us, and now we share another producer. Oh, and, great! And then, and then you didn't, and then you started a new show. Like, like what's 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 been happening? Give us like a summary for the past mm. year. I've got some I'm going to say, but I'll wait till after we're done because ah. the because the the listening audience won't really appreciate. It's not for them; it's okay. for us. Um, so what happened? Um, we had a podcast producer and we both had shows and, um, Christy Walters and I had the why and the buy for five years and 432 episodes. 
And we decided last year that that was not the show that we would start again today. Mm-hmm. So we decided to put it down. And I just talked to Christy geez, a couple of days ago. She's doing great. And, and uh, we're trying to find another thing to work on together um, just because it was so much fun. We miss each other. Um, but that wasn't the show we wanted to start. At the same time, I had this kind of underground podcast that I was really trying to create just for a paid community of people. And it was really, really good work and it needed to see the light of day. And I didn't really know how to transition it. And at the same time, I realized um, I was doing way too many things and I wasn't doing enough of them as well as I could be. And so I was spread very, very thin. And I think we talked a little bit about this, Gene. I'm trying to focus, trying to narrow things down um, because. I'm just, I'm capable of better. And so I came up with the idea of the Rethink the Way You Sell podcast because I missed podcasting. And what Rethink the Way You Sell is, is an evolution of um, my content, my thoughts, my processes, and um, now my voice. And it gave me an opportunity to create the podcast that I wanted to create Whereas in the past, it was like, what do podcasts do? Oh, we need to have a guest on so we can have cool conversations. Great. Oh, we do this Oh, once, once a week, you say, okay, great. And who should we have on? And how long should these episodes be? And, and all this stuff. And um, when I started something new, I wanted to do it a little bit differently. So I decided that I didn't want to be beholden to a weekly schedule because sometimes life gets in the way mm-hmm. and you just can't keep up. And I didn't want to be in a position where... I had to really think hard. Oh yeah. Who was the guest that's okay. Yeah. We, we talked to them six weeks ago, but their episode is launching tomorrow. And I had three other episodes last week that I recorded, but those won't come out for a while. And I also, and this was kind of the big thing. We talk a little bit about focus. I've created a lot of content, put it in a lot of places in a lot of formats, and I've done really, really good work. I'm very proud, not just of the work I've done, but the progression and the growth that I've demonstrated in the seven years that I've done this, but I never cataloged that in any meaningful way mm-hmm. for people to use. So I decided that I was going to do a podcast that had seasons and each season was going to cover a topic. And there is a beginning, a middle and an end to each one of these seasons. And they're not all going to be the same length. The first season was basically a teaser, like, Hey, I'm coming back. I can't wait. Here is the first chunk. Let me give you a taste. And then, then we're going to dive deep into, into season two, but I complete the project and then I distribute. And so, you know, season two, which we're in the middle of right now is 24 episodes nice. on the difference between top performing salespeople and everybody else. I, love I, it. I call it the, the seven intangible characteristics of top, of top salespeople, because none of these intangible characteristics have anything to do with selling skills. And that's what I think is the, the really brilliant part. It's a different way to look at performance. Um, season three is going to be about prospecting. Season four is going to be about sales leadership, but it gives me an opportunity to tackle stuff. And you know, look, when you're distributing episodes twice a week, um, you know what your social media stuff is going to be at that point. You can be consistent. You know, I'm going to talk for three mm-hmm. months about top mm-hmm. performers. Yeah. Like it, it, I had too many people and a couple of them were close friends. Like, Jeff, I love everything I hear you say. I have no idea how to tell people what you do to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, it, you know, I'm, I, I think I've worked really hard for the first six, seven years um, that I've been doing this to prove to people that I'm smart. And I think I've made that point and I'm comfortable now saying that I've made that point. 
Um, but now people need to know how I can help them. Yeah. And yeah. so um, it's not about you. Um, you feel like it. You want to add value in the most reflective way possible that you can really. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure I belonged. And it took a while to get that idea through my head that I could hang with you two ladies and that Anthony and Arena will take my call on Saturday. I think we kind of, we, we kind of talked about that the last time we, we were together, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Of, of having, mm -hmm. having those feelings, which is interesting. Cause I think we all, I think we all have them no matter what, what level we're at. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if Anthony has these feelings, but um, I'm sure he might a little bit. Maybe. I think he does, actually, because at some level, if you don't have them, you're not pushing yourself. Like the imposter never goes away. It yeah. just changes. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so it's like, okay, I was a top performer. I won awards. Like you can see people listening right now. They're all behind yeah. me on yeah. the video. Like there's a ton of stuff up there. <laughs> Great. I knew I could do that. How far could I take that? Mm -hmm. And just because I knew it was good in my like. Let, let me sell 50,000 books kind of good. Well, not yet because I haven't sold 50,000 books, but maybe I could, you know, and it, it's, it's just a, there's a consistent challenge there to continue to push yourself. Yeah. Um, and you have to fight back the feeling of, are you sure you can do this? And you have to be willing to say, no, I'm not, but I'm going to try anyway. Yeah. And I had this conversation about two hours ago that you guys had a few months ago. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm curious to know, because we talk a lot about, we, everyone talks about imposter syndrome. We talk about mm -hmm. um, how what makes us us. You're still on your journey. It sounds like you're, you've really reinvented mm -hmm. the podcast with the seasons. Um, mm -hmm. But you also say that you weren't a sales, you didn't think you were a salesperson when you were sat in that car. I'm curious mm -hmm. to know, because... We talk a lot about creativity coming from childhood. What were you like as a kid? What, what, if oh, we were in the man. classroom now, we all know what Gina <laughs> would be like in the classroom. But, but what, what would Jeff be like as an eight-year-old oh, sat in a classroom? As an eight-year-old. Bullied by Gina. I probably. was <laughs> so detail-oriented and I'm a little type A, um, very straight-laced, didn't get in trouble. Mm -hmm. I got great, great grades. Um, I was a joy to have in class. I was very obedient. Sounds a lot like didn't, me. Did, oh, <laughs> shush. Didn't like, I didn't like to volunteer. Okay. A lot. Okay. Like I wasn't necessarily, I don't know that I was necessarily very active. I was just, I was a cute little boy who was, who sat still and was quiet and did good work. And I was always a really good athlete. Okay. Nice. And it's interesting as I was growing up in, in school, I've, I've never been one of the cool kids. Mm-hmm. And always just kind of felt like, because I just, I, I was straight laced. I was just doing good work. Um, but the thing that got me invited to a lot of the stuff, I was always, always one of the first picked for teams, for, mm -hmm. for sides whenever we were playing anything. And so I wasn't one of the cool kids, but I got by by being a good athlete. Mm -hmm. And that had, that earned me some street cred. Yes, it does. It does uh, in school. It's funny what gives you street cred. I wonder if the eight-year-old you what would the eight-year-old you think if they looked into the future and saw everything that you're doing now? Public speaking, training, successful business person. This has gotten in my way. Mm -hmm. I am living beyond my wildest dreams. Nice. I need to go back and dream bigger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I still have a lot of work to do. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. I've always been really goal oriented and focused and driven and, and I'm an achiever. And a perfectionist yeah. by the sounds of it. If I might, um, am I allowed to assume? <laughs> you No, please assume. I, I, I would argue with that. I don't know that perfectionist, it was always important for me to do a good job. And if I could do it better than I might as well, but I never to the point where it really kept me up at night that, you know, uh, this wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. But if, if, um, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And if you don't have time to do it right, you don't have time to do it twice. So, you know, what are we, what are you spending your time on and where do you spend your energy? But I came from a place and really a family, there, there, there aren't a whole lot of people in sales in my family mm-hmm. and the couple that are kind of, oh, you know, that guy, right. It just, it just kind of dismissed. And, um, I come from a very blue collar family in a blue collar world and, I just thought that was, you know, what I was going to do. I mean, I went to college and got a degree in athletic medicine. I wanted to work in sports, but it, that was just nothing like what I'm doing right now. I, I never would have con- considered it. Never, ever would have considered it because I didn't really have the models for it. Mm-hmm. And the models that I had for it weren't always the most positive models. Interesting. Um, so to, if, you know, 30, geez, almost 35 years ago for, for you know, eight-year-old me, to say, wow, look at you in the future. I, I think he'd be astounded. That's a really cool way to look at that. Thank you for asking that, Susanna. That's, that, no one's ever I asked ask me good that questions, question apparently. <laughs> and you don't treat me like a piece of meat, too, but I will. Speaking of, of meat, um, I thought you said speaking of me then. I was like, but speaking of, um, outbound, outbound's coming up. That was my mm-hmm. question. Um, too late. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything uh what are you gonna be talking about at outbound and and this is gonna be the you're the first person being officially mm. asked to be on stage with us for our live stream yes you'll come you might back. not be speaking outbound anymore then <laughs> <laughs> he did it last I, year and he survived I did it last nice. year yeah. i made it um yeah i'd love to thank you you're welcome very welcome thank you what am I speaking on? I've got a virtual session in the kind of the, the, the pre-program, mm-hmm. if you will, called Prospect Like a Pro. Um, and it's my take on prospecting. It's not just do it. Yeah. Uh, that goes without saying, but it kind of addresses some of the things that uh, hold people back as well as it's, it's my take on prospecting, which I've learned because I've been told. And then I've, once you hear it, you're like, oh, okay, let me run with that. Um, my perspective on prospecting is a little different. It's kind of a, 30,000 foot view in some ways. And in other ways, it's very, very tactical. So I'm really excited about that presentation. And then I've got brand new material on sales management and sales leadership mm. that I'm giving as part of the um, the breakouts, uh, the the breakouts, the elite sessions on Friday. Ooh. So I get to be I in the leadership next track to each there. other again. Mm. That would be fun. Apparently I'm on Friday too. Fun. Maybe we'll all be next to each other. So we all, we all have Rock to- on. All those other sessions are on Friday, so they're kind of concurrent on the same area. Yeah, so um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's funny. I I this kind of stuff really drives me, and it, it drives me to do my best work, and it drives me to push myself to grow because this is such a great event to be a part of. Um, to be able to call this in, this group of people my peers, and just to be able to share that information, not just with the audience, but like, I hope everybody listening right now 
recognizes how much we all kind of geek out on each other's oh my work gosh, kind yeah. of backstage. Yeah. Like if it's, it, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I think we could get in real trouble um, if we allowed ourselves to, but <laughs> you know, the campfire cocktail parties yeah. that could happen, you know, if we weren't downtown Atlanta, but just, I mean, what are you doing with your business? Where are things going with yeah. that? What do you want to do next? What do you, I love what you're doing with this. Where'd you get that idea? Um, can I borrow some of this stuff? Can we trade guest appearances? Can we do like, there's yeah. just, there, everything is positive. The best type of conversations all, ever. The best, the best. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the, the group of people at Outbound who are speaking are such a lovely group of people that I really feel like, I know, you know, I know Larry talks about, he's very heart-centered, but I think the majority Mm -hmm. of us are extremely heart-centered. And I think that's what's so cool is so many heart-centered, brilliant sales leaders. Maybe he might be upset for me or with me for saying this, but Last year on Friday night, after Outbound was done, Larry and I were very whiskey centered um, in Atlanta. Um, uh, oh, I was supposed to stay. You wanted me to stay. I forget you invited me to do something. I know. I forget what I had to do. I had to go home or something. Yeah, yeah. I but we the were. Uh, yeah, we had a blast. So come on, guys. I haven't done Outbound before. Describe Outbound in a word. Go on. Intoxicating. <laughs> Intoxicating. <laughs> wow. I say this with the best of intentions, but your brain is going to hurt the right amount. I like that. The amount of content that you're going to consume. Yes. Yeah. The amount of access that you're going to have, you know, and and Anthony and Jeb like to talk about it a lot, um, but there are no green rooms for speakers to hide. Like you come off stage, you walk right out there, you grab a bottle of water or, you know, whatever. And you're just, you're there with everybody else. Like it, it, and the energy, I think energy would be my one word. And the fact that there's going to be a whole bunch of people in one spot, that so much of it is going to be in person again this year. Um, Everybody who's there wants to be. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's there is looking to take the next step in their career they're looking to learn something they didn't know before, and they can't wait to go use it. And then they talk about what they're excited about in between the talks. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It really is quite the experience. I said one of my favorite parts is the, the VIP experience when um, people can actually get the VIP experience and mm-hmm. hang out at the reception, which is small. Right. And cozy. And like you get this one on one time with speakers. And, and I t- I've been telling a lot of my clients, I'm like, please buy, get the VIP experience. Mm-hmm. Like because mm-hmm. like, oh, I li- like I've got one client. And he's like, I just love Mark Hunter. I'm like, oh, you c- I will introduce you to Mark Hunter. You got to come. Right. Because Mark Hunter is like such a doll. Wear comfortable shoes. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm so sure anyway. Oh Seriously, I've been on Amazon all week. Shoe shopping for outbound, I swear to God. Mm. Already? It's in September, right? It's mm-hmm. in September, but You're getting I'm getting married in a few weeks. You should <laughs> be planning two... for that. No, it's I'm done planning for that. That's all done. Okay, okay. No, no, no. I'm planning for outbound right now. I'm planning my wardrobe. I'm planning my shoes and comfortable shoes. I'm gonna tell you right now, Susanna Gray Jones, because we're gonna be on stage a lot and backstage a lot. And it's a long walk from the stage <laughs> to the to the like bait like the whatever area, what is that called? The recept lobby area, whatever that's called. It's a long walk. Sure. 
It is. Oh, yeah. The room, it's a big room. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. You're going to be astounded. And um, all the girls, we wear flat flip-flops backstage before we yeah. put our heels on. It is, you want comfortable shoes, yeah. That's cool. Mm. I'm not a particular designer person anyway. So it's, uh, yeah, basics for me. So I'll be happy. No, it's it's going to be a blast. I'm excited. We can't wait to meet you in person. And we have some English mm. speakers as well. I know Daniel Disney is on the main mm-hmm. stage, um, which would be great. Um, so, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. Do you have a um, would you rather question for Jeff before, oh, yeah. we ed- before we end the show? Back on podcast. Back. We are being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been prepped for success, by the way. So, um <laughs> I, I I put it on her to prep you and she didn't. I'm sorry you're not feeling prepped for success, but but well, you've come off very successful sounding. You haven't <laughs> asked my English word, by the way. I had a really good um, English versus American. Okay, what's your, um, what's, your Eng- what's what's the she teaches me a new work at, word every week. This is that's our mm. theme. And by the way, I love okay. the, the, the new idea on the podcast and theming it. Um, Donald C. Kelly does something similar where he kind of does like. Maybe it's like a month at a time he does, like, these are the topics I'm talking about this month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I think that's brilliant. It yeah. just, it for me, it's it becomes evergreen. Yeah. Um, and it's, Donald does this as well. Um, but it's like, I talked for three months on Top Performers. Go to the podcast. Go yeah, look up exactly. season two. They're it's categorized brilliant. that way now. It, it just, it's, thank you. It, 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 I think it's it helps. brilliant, yeah. Suzanne. I think we need to, we might need to do some re-strategy. We already are. Um, so we yeah, just kind of do it in a different way. Yeah, so we, we have, do, do, yeah, we're, we have, we have stumbled on something because Jeb likes it and now we're doing more of it. And as do the listeners, we do a management sales questions. Um, but I, I, lo- I love mm-hmm. the season idea. So anyway, English words. The English when I was, word. When I was in these hotels in New York, um, I remember asking someone about uh, a dressing gown and they looked at me and were like, huh? About what? A dressing gown. I said, a you have a dressing gown. gown for the spa. And they Ooh. were like, sorry, sorry, madam, what is that? And I was like, a dressing <laughs> gown. And my husband was like, she means a robe. And I was like, a robe? <laughs> you guys call it a robe here? I thought that was really funny. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know that you guys didn't use the uh, word dressing gown, but dressing gown sounds awfully proper, doesn't it? Dressing gown, darling. It does. Dressing gown. Um, it does. So, yeah, that was... Bring your dressing gown to Outbound. <laughs> okay. Um, so, <laughs> all right, Gina. Should we knock it at my door? Show me your dressing gown. Anyway, um, would you rather, would you rather, so this is for you, Jeff. Gina, you get okay. to answer afterwards. Um, would you rather be completely invisible for one day or be able to fly for one day so you get one day of superpowers would you rather be completely invisible or would you rather be able to fly i think i'd rather fly why i think i'd rather fly where would you go it doesn't matter i'd fly <laughs> just fly away um <laughs> i would just fly around for a while um being <laughs> invisible i don't know how that helps me i'm really not i'm, I'm very curious and i've said that before but i wouldn't necessarily like I can be curious and fully visible. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I don't know that I need to go anywhere, sneak around without being seen. Mm. Well, interesting. You might, so you I'd might feel differently fly. about that because, well, <laughs> well, let's see what Gina thinks first. <laughs> well, I, I know that usually I agree with the guests today. No, I don't. I. <gasps> For one, I'm afraid of heights. So there's that. 
So flying okay. would be a prop would be problematic for me. Now I would rather be mm. invisible. Okay. Because I do want to kind of sneak around. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I want to. Oh my gosh, you and I agreed on one. We never yeah, agree. Yeah. Okay. We never wow. Agree. Oh, now I can, now I know I can't trust you. <laughs> I know. You know, like in Harry Potter, when they have the invisibility cloak. I yep. I was thinking about this question before we came. I had a bit of time to prepare. But I would probably mm. go and find out where I can make the most money, right? I'd go undercover and like, listen, find yes. the secret secret code. And then yes. I would use all that money that I get to then fly myself or buy a really cool jet. So I would essentially yeah. do both. So oh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you're an honest nah, person, uh, Jeff. Don't change that. You don't want to sneak around. I know. I, <laughs> I, I, I can see your logic. That's fine. I just, I don't see how being invisible would serve me. Um, but flying would be really cool. Yeah. There yeah. you go. There we are. Well, so that's, that's where I'll I go with it. that. Well, you are flying and you will be at Outbound. So yeah, looking mm. forward to it. Well, we can't wait yes. to see you in person. And I am going to hug mm. you just a little bit differently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I, that was that was a callback to the beginning of this conversation that now that we knew mm -hmm. each other, that maybe, you know, yes. we would hug a little bit differently. That's all I meant. I don't want your wife upset with me. So uh, she wouldn't be upset okay. with you. Shoot. Right. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> it was fabulous having you back here. So thank you so much for coming back and saying yes to being live on stage with us. Oh, yeah. I'll take it. Cool. I'll take it. It was great. I mean, last year was fun. I don't know. Hanging with you. I mean, live in front of all those people. Yeah. 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 I live for that. Cool. I live for that. Let's do it. All right. Well, we got to wrap up this show, Warners. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About with our fabulous guest. Jeff Bajoric, thank you for coming back. And uh, hopefully you felt somewhat set up for success by Susanna Gray-Jones because that, uh, yes. that was her job. Yeah, no, she did a wonderful job of that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Any final words, Susanna? No final words, but um, <laughs> no final words. I've got a new studio behind me, which is very exciting, but that's something I'll talk about another day. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, we're out of here. Thank you again for listening. And for more information, go check us out at womenyourmotherwarnshabout.com. And also find us at salesgravy.com. And we've got some cool courses, both Susanna and I at salesgravy.university. So we'll see you real soon. Bye. Who is not a piece of meat? Who is not a piece of meat? <laughs> oh, my. It's so good to be back. <laughs>